0: Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. I'm Karen and this is Kathy. Today we will discuss the second half of episode 23 and the entirety of episode 24 of the story of Minglan or 知否知否应是绿非红兽。this podcast is in English, with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or else email us at Karen Kathy at ChasingDramas.com if you have any questions. For today's episode, we will do an episode recap, then discuss some of the history and culture brought up throughout the episode, and then close with book differences. Let's start off with the recap. There are... threads for these two episodes, or at least part two of episode 23 and episode 24. These two episodes discuss or showcase Minglan, our main character's experiences in Yang, a uh, rather fictional uh, hometown of the Sheng family, and then separately Gu Tingye's experiences in the military. We'll focus on Ming Lan's story first, and then we'll discuss Gu Tingye. After their harrowing escape from the bandits and rescued by Gu Tingye, Ming Lan and her grandmother arrive safely at the ancestral Sheng family home in Yoyang. They are greeted enthusiastically by the rest of the Sheng family. Leading the group is another elderly grandma. She is Minglan's great-aunt. There are also two surprising guests waiting for them as well, the young doctor He Wen and his grandmother. Recall that we've met these two in previous episodes, and uh, I think one grandma Sheng is trying to push Mr. He Wen with her granddaughter. The two head into the main hall and begin to exchange pleasantries. The drama doesn't really explain much about the relations, so I'll do that here. I'll sprinkle in some nuggets from the book as well to round out a few of the other characters. First up is Sheng Da Tai, tai or the eldest Grandma Sheng. She is Minglan's great-aunt. This woman married Minglan's grandfather's eldest brother, who died several years back. The eldest grandma Sheng, or Sheng Da tai, tai which is how we'll refer to her moving forward, had a son and two daughters. One of her daughters died young, and the other daughter uh, is not mentioned in the drama. Sheng Wei is Sheng Da Tai Tai's son. He is cousin to Ming Lan's father, so he is Ming Lan's uncle. He is a very wealthy merchant and has been quite instrumental in assisting his cousin rise in the ranks of the government. As we all know, money talks. This is a crucial distinction, however. Sheng Wei and this side of the family are merchants, not scholars. What did we say about merchants before? While they can have all of the money in the world, they are deemed the lowest class of society and far beneath scholars. This comes into play later on in this episode and the next. He is married to Madame Li. She isn't really introduced in the drama, but Madame Li is her title in the book. The couple have three children in the drama: a son, Sheng Changwu, who I referenced to in the last episode; a daughter, Shulan, who's already married and a younger daughter, Ping Lan, who we meet at this gathering. They are, it seems, second cousins to Ming Lan. The children's names here is another great reflection of Chinese family tradition. As we mentioned previously, names are given by generation. Chang Wu's name follows the same naming conventions as the other Sheng sons, Chang Bai and Chang Feng. P'in Lan and Shulan is also pretty obvious. The girls in this generation are all to be named with the character of Lan, which means orchid. This allows us to, well, I'm, and I'm assuming the family members as well, to very easily see who is in which generation. P'in Lan is seen to be a very playful and spirited young woman who's around the same age as our main character, Ming Lan. When she arrives to greet the family, she says that she was playing Chui Wen, an ancient Chinese version of golf. This is definitely not your normal female activity of painting, incense burning, or the other fine arts. Sheng Da Tai Tai, so the grandma of this side of the family, is content to let her granddaughter play around for a bit. Ming Lan's own grandmother also agrees that Ming Lan can let loose a bit during her stay in Youyang. There's no need to be so uh, restricted as she was in the capital city. P'inlan and Minglan become fast friends. And the next day, P'inlan actually drags Minglan out for a hunt with her brother Changwu and the handsome young doctor He Hongwen. The Sheng brother Changwu and sister P'inlan are quite successful, Uh, while the young doctor is over there actually digging medicinal herbs. It's quite a tranquil scene, but unfortunately, it doesn't last long. The hunting party spots a group of bandits stealing from a nearby farm. There's not much that they can do to try to stop these bandits, uh, and their focus is their own safety, so they hurry on back to the Shung family manor. This scene really is here primarily to just warn us that it's not a uh, safe place to be right now. Two months later, it is the Mid Autumn Festival. Pian Lun and Min Lun say their prayers to the moon and are summoned back to the main hall as guests have arrived. As with every family gathering for, you know, American Thanksgiving dinner, Pinlan reveals that she doesn't like certain individuals in the group of guests that arrive or family members that have arrived, namely her sister Shulan's mother-in-law. And it doesn't take long before we find out why. The next part of the drama should be called the story of Shulan or the tragic marriage story of Shulan. So the older sister of Pin If there's anything to say, all it is is this is a sad reflection on the type of tragedy that happens for women in this patriarchal society and the wide difference between the uh, merchant class and the scholar class. As the two young ladies enter the hall, the camera pans to a middle-aged woman gloating about her son. She says... My son is a xiu tai. You know what that is? That's a grand chancellor in the making. When he becomes grand chancellor, my nephew and Minglan would be the perfect match. The woman turns around and spots Minglan. She immediately corners Minglan and inspects her. This woman turns around and asks, basically demands to have her nephew engaged to Minglan, to the rest of the ladies sitting down. Who is this woman? She, as Karen said, is Shulan's mother-in-law. Shulan is the older sister to Pinglan, the one that got married a few years ago. We'll call this woman or this mother-in-law Sun Mama. She'll be referred to by her husband's last name as in the book. For those of you non-Chinese listeners or non-native speakers, Sun so Mama, right off the bat, is shown as a low class woman, not only by how she behaves, but also by her dialect. Everyone else in the drama speaks Mandarin, or proper Mandarin. This Sun Mama does not speak proper Mandarin. I personally don't know exactly what accent this is, but the directorial intent is clear. This woman is not educated and has no classroom. Rec- Taste, which we'll see repeatedly shown in the drama. Anyways, to her suggestion of marriage for Ming Lan, Sun Mama presses the Sheng family for an answer. Grandma Sheng, so Ming Lan's grandmother, coldly declines the offer. Sun Mama then says this infuriating sentence Ming Lan is only a Shunyu. Mm, somewhat incompatible but if i arrange it no one will mind what who the hell does she think she is look at literally every other woman in the room no one is looking at this sun mama grandma Sheng stares up has a face of get me out of here Shulan's mother so uh actual mother and Pinlan's mother is sitting next to Su mama with a look of disgust on her face, staring down at the floor. Suma then deigns to say, "Mm, If you think Milan is too young, don't worry. They can get engaged first, and I'll put some girls in his room so he'll grow up a bit. Then they'll get married. When I first watched this, and when I read this in the book, I was absolutely flabbergasted. How can a woman just say this? Oh, I guess, I mean... Because she has a son who is a seals cai, she thinks that she can just treat women like whatever, and she's all high and mighty. Well, no, we know that that's how she thinks, because that's exactly what she'll behave for the rest of the, the show. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but yes, this is a very uh, tasteless woman over here. Pin Lan on the side, can't stand it anymore, blows up and retorts, who do you think you are? Who does your nephew think he is? He has no merit and no land. How can he compare to one of the girls from the Sheng family? Sun Mama then trots out this line that you'll hear repeatedly. My son became a xiu at 12. The fortune teller foretold his future. He will be a grand chancellor and he'll be able to support his own cousin. So stop being so prejudiced. Pianlan snaps right back. So your son became a Tai at age 12. It's been over 10 years and he's still a Ming Lan's brother, Changbai is already a Shu and has passed all of the imperial examinations. Do you think you can match that? Yes, girl. But let us expand upon this a little bit because it might not be super clear. Shulan's husband became a Tai at age 12 which is quite impressive as we've talked about the various imperial exams one must take on the way to become a scholar a xiao tie is just the first step sure it's impressive that this man was able to pass at age 12 but to not have progressed beyond that is the big issue this sun mama constantly gloats about how accomplished her son is Meanwhile, he is several exams below the other men we've seen in the drama. He's not even a Zhu Jin, which uh, is what we were introduced to for Chang Bai, Chang Feng, um, Hong, and Gu Tingye when they were studying for the Metropolitan exams. And as we saw, Chang Bai already passed and is now an Imperial courtier, miles ahead of this Xiu Tai. So it is absolutely ridiculous that this Sun Mama holds her son in such high regard. Now, this wretched woman turns her anger and embarrassment towards her daughter-in-law. Poor Shulan. This Sun Mama blames his or her son's ineptitude on Shulan. In front of all of Shulan's closest family, Sun Mama openly insults Shulan and says, What's the point of you, you useless woman? Shulan does nothing but fight back tears while the rest of the family is quietly seething at this display. Ugh, what a terrible woman. This is only the first glimpse of her too. I must also say that uh, props to this uh, this actress. Um, don't know who she is, but she does a great job of making us want to hate her. Yeah, this is the definition of monster-in-law. Absolutely. And it took, what, five minutes for us to get there. So good for this woman. <laughs> Pinlan Lan rushes out of the room, crying to lament her sister's terrible situation because yeah, her sister is still so young and has to endure this marriage for the next however many decades. How will her sister survive? That's the real question for women in this time period. The drama continues into episode 24, where we are introduced to Shulan's wretched husband and see exactly what type of lowlife he is. The family event where this husband, Sun Xiucai, is introduced is actually at the wedding celebrations for Minglan's cousin, Chang Wu. There are quick snippets of wedding traditions in episode 24, but we won't get to it here because there are several other weddings in the drama where we'll go into much more detail about Song dynasty wedding traditions. It is customary, however, that there is a banquet to celebrate the marriage. It is at this banquet that this Sun Xiu makes a fool of himself. He is blackout drunk, standing on a table, belittling the staff for not providing him with more alcohol. This is truly an embarrassing scene where he constantly raises how important he is. The line he repeats to what others are doing is yo ru si wen, which roughly translates to it is an insult to culture or class. This is obviously ironic because everything he's doing is an insult to class. He always says, "I am a silta. Do you know who I am? I became a silta at the age of 12." I'm going to be a grand chancellor. You should um, make sure that I'm treated well. And everybody's like, who the hell are you? (laughs) Later that night, Shulan finally shares everything she's suffered so far in this marriage. She is the wife of the family, but after three years of marriage, has not been able to become pregnant. This is the main mark against her. But who can blame her? Who would want to spend time with her husband to get pregnant? Every time the couple fight, Shulan's mother gifts the husband's family another property to appease them. But this only lasts so long. Shulan's husband beats her constantly. And the worst thing, this Sun Xiucai got a prostitute pregnant and wants to have her in the family as a mistress, as a legit concubine. A prostitute. According to the Sheng family doctrine, there are rules where women of this status are not allowed to be in the family. And in the next episode, I will divulge why. But does the Sun Xiu care? Nope, not at all. What a despicable man. I just want to hurl as many insults as possible to this man for treating Shu so poorly. Shulan has been nothing but the epitome of the respectful wife as deemed required by this time period. But the challenge for these women is that they feel stuck. If Shulan is divorced from the family so that she can earn her freedom, that would be a great stain upon the Sheng family. It would impact the other daughters and their marriage prospects. In this society, it's always that the men have to be perfect in order to survive, whereas men like this disgusting Sun Xiaotai can do whatever they want. It is unfair by every measure. Fortunately, Ming Lan, after listening to Shulan's plight, offers sage advice and plots to save her cousin from this tragic marriage. She says things like, look, if our future husbands see how our cousin or sister, Shulan, is treated, they will also look down upon us for putting up with it. The primary goal here is for a He or a separation, which means that no one is getting a divorce, and we'll talk about this at the end of the episode, but it's more just an equitable uh, departure from one another. This is a much better look than divorce. Of course, Sun Xiucai and his mother do not agree. So, Milan comes up with another tactic. Cut off Sun Xiucai's income. This guy and his family are actually incredibly poor, or they were poor uh, before marrying Shulan. The only money that they have comes from Shulan's dowry, which they now spend without a second thought. This is yet another example of a husband's family using his wife's dowry for his own personal use, which is actually legally not correct. Like his wife's money and dowry is his wife's. It's not his. So he's technically stealing from her. After a few days of no money or servants to take care of them, which honestly was so satisfying to watch, the Sun husband brings his mother and other clan members to instigate a scene at the Sheng family. In the main hall, Sun Xiucai threatens Shulan with divorce and belittles her for not allowing a prostitute to marry into the family, particularly one that's pregnant. The horrifying truth we learn is that this Sun Xiucai already has another 22 to 23 mistresses on top of his wife and this prostitute interestingly none of these other women have given birth just this prostitute so the theory is that uh this child may not be because uh if he's been spending time with 20 something people over three years and none of them have gotten pregnant there's probably something going on and it's not the women Sun so Xiaotai and his mother demand that the Sheng family give them money that is, uh, give them the money that is Shulans and demand that they allow the prostitute in the family. This is probably one of the most infuriating scenes in the entire drama. And I'm kind of struggling for words to how best describe these people. Really, there's only, you know, you can only say disgusting so many times, right? Ming Lan is in a separate room with Pin Lan trying to figure out ideas to help Shulan as it's evident that the Sun family will not back down easily. In a stroke of genius, Ming Lan rallies Pin Lan and He Hong Wen to head over to the brothel where this prostitute originated from. The goal is to procure the registration deed that states that this woman is indeed of the prostitute class. As described in the drama, each person, whether it's a slave, servant, a mistress, a prostitute, what have you, will have two documents. One is the selling contract of that person, and the other is the deed that tells what class this person is. I don't think the drama does a good job explaining what happened, but it can be assumed that Sun Xiucai only bought this prostitute's selling contract, or mai ti and not the other registration deed or the DT, because it's only something managers of households would know. Sun Xiucai's family would have been too poor to understand the intricacies here. By having this piece of paper, the registration deed, it'll allow the Sheng family to outright say that Sun Xiucai is cavorting with a prostitute against moral and legal grounds, and thus, will gain more leverage in negotiating a separation. Because right now, what can be assumed is that Sun Xiaohai thinks that he bought the Mai Qiyo, or it means that uh, this prostitute is no longer a prostitute and that she is just a regular woman and can be brought into uh, the family. But if they have this uh, right. registration deed it'll say, nope, this woman is still a prostitute. And if they can get it in the hands of the Shung family, that will make sure that uh, the Shung family is able to prevent or push back against the Swin family. Yes. Bringing a, a concubine of not prostitute class is seen as okay, but a prostitute is of a very low status and if he's a tai or someone of a certain standing that he pretends to be, that will bring trouble for him in court. This is a daring adventure, as women of Minglan and P'inlan status would not dare to go to a place like a brothel. But they wear veiled hats and leverage He Hongwen to secure an audience with the madam of the brothel. In the next episode, We'll see what actually happens in this confrontation to save Shulan. With all this excitement over uh, in the Sheng family, we must not forget the other storyline in these two episodes, and that's Gu Tingye's first experiences in the military. Spurred by Minglan's words, he joins a local regiment and he procures a recommendation letter from Zhao Zongquan, the man he saved in episode 22. He was hoping to be placed in a good regiment, but the commander, after seeing the recommendation letter, instead places Gu Tingye and his servant Shi Tou in the uh, lowest-ranking regiment or group. They are stuck digging graves with little hope of seeing battle, which means they will never move up in the ranks to make a name for themselves. Luckily, an opportunity comes straight for Gu Tingye. One night as he is on watch, he detects that the surroundings are too quiet. There's no howling or chirping from the wildlife, which must mean there are enemies in the forest. Remember the bandits that he saved Minglan from earlier in this episode, uh, in episode 23, and also the ones that Minglan and her family saw while they were hunting? This is probably the same organization of people, hoping to clear out military presence in the region to continue to plunder goods. The commander does not listen to anything Gu Tingye has to say and goes straight to sleep, but as Gu Tingye suspects an assault on the military camp that night, he, Gu Tingye, rounds up those that will listen to set a trap for these bandits. In a, I would say, rather impressive and heart racing fight scene, Gu uh, Tingye's group of soldiers manage to trap and defeat the enemies as the real commander wakes up from his sleep, totally useless. Uh, and Gu uh, Tingye pretends like the idea came from the commander so as to protect the soldiers who listened to him, Gu Tingye. And the commander is totally happy to take ownership of the glory. I mean, why not? In the next episode, we'll see where Gu Tingye's career continues. The last thread in this trip to Yoyang so far is the interaction between Ming Lan and He Hongwen. This kind young man gravitates towards Ming Lan, which does not go undetected by Grandma Sheng. This man understands the trials and tribulations of women and actually respects women, having been raised single-handedly by his grandmother. This is a rare quality that Grandma Sheng reminds Milan of. If Milan were to marry Hu he Hongwen, her life would be peaceful, which is all that Grandma Sheng wants for Milan. We'll find out sooner or later if that's a true statement. Ooh. And that is it for the episode recap of part two of episode 23 and 24. So now let's get on to some historical analysis. little bit of, uh, about various things here and there. Um, what so time means, but the main point of this episode or this podcast discussion is marriage. Marriage is a key theme in this entire drama. And in episode 23, 24, 25, in the next episode, the key goal is to help get Shulan to separate rather than be divorced from her husband. So as to save face. I would say in modern day separation and divorce, at least in America, don't have as much of a distinction. But in ancient China, this distinction was stark. For a divorce, or I guess the more formal term is like repudiation where a husband renounces his wife. The wife must have committed in China one of seven acts. The Chinese word for this divorce is xiu If the wife committed one of these seven acts, then the husband has every right to divorce his wife. They are, if the wife does not respect parents, does not have children, is jealous, is promiscuous, speaks too much, hello, what, Uh, has an incorrigible health condition, or commits thievery. Can we just take a pause and listen to all these things? Does not have children, is jealous, uh, speaks too much, has an incorrigible health condition. These are so restrictive. And these seven acts come from Jolie or the rights of Joe, which is a work on bureaucracy and organizational theory. It first appeared in the second century BCE people, so more than 2000 years ago. As you can see, men have all the power here. The husband can pretty much say that his wife committed any of these, give her divorce papers, and ruin her and her family for life. She is kicked out of the family, and by doing so, this woman's reputation and that of her entire clan is pretty much gone. Is it shocking that there's nothing for fu, which means a woman divorcing her husband? No, there's only ti. So uh, for more than 2,000 years, Chinese uh, culture and history tradition has been talking about what are the things or the expectations of women, never what are the expectations of uh, husbands. Separation, however, or he li is much milder. He li is where the man and woman exit the marriage contract and both sides are equal. Uh, it's basically where they say that our personalities don't match and we're just going to uh, exit the marriage contract. Both sides are equal. I think in U.S. divorce terms, um, I think the mildest thing they say is like citing uh, irreconcilable ir- differences is why people get divorced. I think that this is kind of like, uh, like that. This type of more equitable exit to the marriage actually first appeared in the Tang Dynasty which is fascinating because Tang Dynasty is where, of course, we have the first and only female empress. So I think there may have been more uh, women's rights during this time. And He Li is uh, definitely less ruinous to women than a divorce. So now we know why the Sheng family is trying so hard to secure a separation for Shulan rather than a divorce, but also why the Sun family Only want to threaten divorce because it means they have more control and uh, more ability to get money from the Sheng family. The only other snippet that I want to talk about is on Gu Tingye's side. We find out that the person who uh, Gu Tingye saved, his name is Zhao Zongquan, and we find out from the commander that he is a descendant of the first emperor of the Song Dynasty, or Song Taizong, but is just a descendant. Family trees, as we know, can extend very rapidly, and especially in this time period where they're trying to uh, you know, have large families and large clans. So it looks like this Zhao Zongquan is not well respected by the public, or at least by this military commander that uh, Gu Tingye sought out for a position. Let's conclude with book differences. The drama dispenses with many secondary characters in the Sheng family that live in Youyang and they also get rid of a couple minor plot points. The main storyline still revolves around Shu Lan's predicament, but Ming Lan's role in the whole book and story of this part is actually quite minimal. Sheng Da Tai, tai or Ming Lan's great aunt, is the one who devises many of the plans to help Shulan. Minglan at this point in the book is only like 12, so she couldn't have done anything, and she definitely didn't drag Pinlan over to the brothel to try to find the registration deed. I will talk in the next episode about who actually does that in the book. Shulan in the book is actually described to be rather plain and meek, we get a surprising cameo from Zhang Han Yun, who's been in quite a few shows in recent years as Shu Lan. She's way too gorgeous to be deemed plain, as in the book, but I'm just glad she's here. Yeah, I'm like, Shu you're gorgeous. You need to say more and stand up more for yourself, but you are beautiful. Yeah, if I was Sun Tai, um, I'd be way happy with this wife that I've got. Who the hell does he think he is? you said that like five times in this podcast. I know, but he's, again, I will say props to the, uh, the actor for, um, making us actually despise him. Yeah. He's I don't know who he is, but great actor. And that is it for this podcast episode of the story of Ming Minglan. What did you think? Are you just as upset or, you know, what were you throwing at the screen when you were looking at, uh, and his mother. Um, It's always so satisfying to see them uh, be bullied or not get the money that uh, they've stolen from Shulan. If you have any questions or comments on the show or what was presented and, you know, just want to discuss, uh, please let us know. Thank you all so much for listening and we will catch you in the next episode.